Great to see you all this morning. I'm Chris. If you don't know me, so glad you're here. You know, God wants to meet with you this morning. I hope he's been meeting with you already. I want you to imagine for a second that you are with someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus, but they want you to tell them. But here's the challenge. You just have one piece of paper and a pencil, and you only get to draw one simple picture. So what would you draw? Have a think for a second. What would you draw? Kind of like Christian Pictionary. Okay, hands up if you would have drawn a cross or Jesus on a cross or something like that. Quite a few hands. Pretty easy to draw, so I see why you go with that. But obviously the cross is absolutely central to the Christian faith. Jesus has died in our place. He's paid the price for our sins. Did anyone think about drawing Jesus standing next to an empty tomb or something like that? Maybe the stone rolled away. Yeah, yeah, one or two. I thought that would be quite good. Kind of hard to draw. I'm not sure how I would draw that well. But I think that would be pretty good. You know, he's alive. He's resurrected. And because of it, Christians have eternal life. If I'd asked you this a month ago, then I guess... You might have thought about Jesus in a manger, God coming to earth as a human to save us. Would anyone have drawn a throne or a a crown or something like that? This is King's Church after all. (laughs) Jesus is the king. He's on his throne ruling and reigning in heaven. Every knee will bow before him one day. All those would be really great. Any other ideas people want to shout out? Oh, yeah, a hand reaching down, like God coming down, contact with us. Yeah? Yeah? Sort of Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel, that sort of thing. Yeah. Nice. You're obviously good at drawing, Pete. (laughs) Any other things? A rock. Yeah, we were just singing about that. Brilliant. Yeah, any others? What's that? Heart? Yeah. God's, God's love. What was that? Say that again. A heart as well, same thing. Yeah, God loves us. He has a heart for us. Well, I was fascinated to learn that judging by the very earliest Christian art that we have from the second and third centuries, if you'd have given this challenge to people in the early church, they would probably have drawn something like this. I don't know if you can make that out, but it is a shepherd carrying a sheep over his shoulder. You can just about make out that sheep Many of the oldest surviving Christian graves have paintings like this one. I think this is from a a second century uh, painting uh, from the catacombs underneath Rome. And a really similar image was also found in kind of pride of place in the world's oldest surviving church building from around the year 240. It's a house church in modern day Syria. To the early church, so much of who Jesus is and what Jesus does is explained by the simple image of him caring for his sheep as a shepherd. Just like this, protecting them, nurturing them, going out to rescue the lost sheep, bringing them home safely on his shoulders. And of course, it's something Jesus taught about himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. This morning, I really believe God wants to lead each one of us into a deeper understanding of what that means for you. 
And I think it's going to hopefully give you an insight into what Jesus is doing in your life. I hope you're going to leave here this morning trusting Jesus more than when you arrived. So this month we've been working our way through Psalm 23, probably the most famous depiction of God as our shepherd in the Bible. So let's read it again now. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, today we are homing in on these verses in particular. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Just uh, back one slide, Luana, if you can. I think there was another, yeah, the one's in bold. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your word you've given to us in the Bible. We thank you for this psalm that has just been such a comfort to millions and millions of Christians down the generations. And this morning, Lord, we we ask that you'd encounter us, that you speak to us clearly as we look at your word. And I ask that you would lead us into, into greater trust in you this morning as we see what these words mean. Amen. So let's dive straight in. He leads me in paths of righteousness. This is the second time in three verses that we read, he leads me. You know, our shepherd isn't an armchair general or a distant monarch ordering us about from the safety of his Kushti palace. He's not pointing the way. He is leading the way. Christian faith is really simple. Jesus leads you follow. He charts the course. He goes ahead, which should be a great comfort. But I know that this is a challenge as well because it means relinquishing your independence and your right to call all the shots. So why should you? Well, firstly, because Jesus will lead you on the right paths. Paths of righteousness just means the right paths. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we human beings have been trying to forge our own paths, make it on our own. And in our age, we're told to follow your heart, which basically just means do whatever you feel is right for you, which sounds nice, doesn't it? But it won't lead you where you think. He'd be like a sheep that thinks it knows better than its shepherd. 
Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That's because the heart can't be trusted. God says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. But there is a much better option than trusting in you. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. To follow Jesus, we have to acknowledge daily that he knows the right paths better than we do. In fact, he knows the terrain perfectly. And he knows you perfectly. And he knows what you need because he made you. And he cares for you like a good shepherd cares for his sheep. Now, I don't know much about sheep. You see a lot of sheep in Scotland, but I just, I don't know much about them. So I had to read up a bit. Did you know that sheep, they just, they can't look after themselves? If they're left to their own devices, they will literally destroy the land that they're on and themselves, even to the point of death. Sheep will just keep eating grass uh, in the field that they are in until they have turned a once fertile pasture into a mud bath or a desert. There's the stories of sheep pawing up the roots of grass just to get enough food, but nothing survives after that. They destroy their land. And without guidance, sheep will happily follow the same trails until they become deep ruts, causing erosion and creating places to get stuck. And through their waste, they will pollute their land until parasites run amok throughout the whole flock. Sheep are creatures of habit, which is okay when it's harnessed. But it can be fatally self-destructive. Sound familiar? We can be much the same. Isaiah 53.6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We need someone to show us the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way that leads to life. The only way. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus said, I came that they may have life. He came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, he says. Instead of leaving sheep to their own self-destructive whims, good shepherds intervene. They move their flocks regularly to bring them to fresh pastures and clean water. They lead them away from their own waste and the disease that comes from it. When Jesus saves you, he doesn't just bring you back to your same old muddy field. The field that is just full of of disease-ridden waste and no grass to eat. He is a good shepherd. He seeks your welfare. He knows what you need. He brings you into his flock. And then he leads you away from your own self-destructive habits on paths of righteousness to new pastures. Your only job in all of this is just to turn away from the old muddy field, as it were, and to walk after him, trusting He is good, and he's going to do you good. 
If you've never made that choice to follow Jesus, you can do that today. You can do that right now. You can say that you need him. You can turn from your old life and turn towards him, receiving the forgiveness that he has. And then you just get to follow behind him all the days of your life into paths of righteousness. Maybe you're already a Christian. This is a, just a helpful reminder to you that being a Christian is all about following Jesus. Maybe you've forgotten that simple truth. You've overcomplicated things somewhat. He's the one in charge of your life. Follow him. He's going to lead you away from the things that weigh you down and lead you to death. I don't know what that is for you, but you do. You know, maybe it's gossiping about people at work. Or maybe it's a reliance on alcohol or another addiction. Maybe it's use of pornography. Maybe it's your attitude of self-sufficiency. Maybe it's just living to please people rather than God. Whatever that thing is for you or things are for you, the things that have tripped you up time and time again, Jesus can free you from those things if you'll follow after him day after day. We've been singing about that today. We've been hearing from God. He wants to free us from those things and lead us away. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. A lifelong journey of walking away from sin into the things of God. Jesus, by his pure grace, has saved you from the consequences of sin for eternity, if you put your trust in him. But he's also leading you day by day, step by step, into holiness in the here and now. It's great to be led by this shepherd. You will not ever regret being obedient to Jesus. When I graduated from uni many years ago, I knew God was leading me to prioritize remaining part of the church that he just plugged me into, this church here at King's. I'm not saying this is a rule for everyone who graduates from uni. Very welcome to stay. We'd love you to. But I knew that for me, following Jesus at that time in my life meant trying to stay in Edinburgh. And that meant limiting my choices of jobs and places to stay. And it really was not an easy year or two. I was unemployed for a long time. I was working odd jobs. It was hard going. But, you know, I would not exchange the fruit that came from that little tiny piece of obedience for anything. I grew so much in God in that period because for the first time probably in my life, I was really trying to put him first. If I'd taken matters into my own hands and just done what seemed conventionally wise, I wouldn't have met the woman who became my wife. She arrived in Edinburgh and at King's just a couple of months later. And who knows if I'd have had the opportunity to get as involved as I did in in the life of the church, which has obviously been a huge part of my life ever since. You know, I'm confident that the longer you live following Jesus in paths of righteousness, going where he says to go and doing what he says, the more grateful you will be for all the ways that you've seen him at work in you. But the sin he's freed you from and the good fruit that he's produced in your life.
Next, we come to this little phrase that God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What does this mean? I think it means that by leading you on the right paths, God will prove to you and everyone around you that he is who he says he is. And God says a lot about who he is throughout the Bible. One of the first times that he does it explicitly is in Exodus 34. It's such a foundational passage for our understanding of God that it gets referenced 27 times throughout the Old Testament, more than any other passage. God says about himself, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's a God of mercy and steadfast love. And of course, we see that clearly through Jesus. Jesus is the perfect representation of what God is like. And he shows us beyond any shadow of a doubt that God is unfathomably good. And when we're told in Psalm 23 that God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, it's almost, I think, like he's saying, I've told you who I am. I've shown you what I'm like. But now let me prove it to you personally in your life. I want to lead you and you will see, you will see that I'm good. As you take steps of obedience, as you take hard decisions to follow Jesus and to walk in his ways, you'll find that he is who he says he is. He can be trusted. And you'll find that he is indeed the good shepherd that will lead you into fullness of life, eternal life. So Jesus wants to lead you on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wonderful. But then the psalm takes a sort of unexpected turn. In the very next line we read, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You might be thinking, wait a second. (laughs) He just said as I follow after God, on his right path, so I'll find he's good. Doesn't that mean everything's going to be rosy? Well, I'm suddenly walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Then, Maybe you're particularly aware of being in a dark valley in your life at the moment. You might be experiencing the loss of a loved one and the grief that comes with it. Or maybe pressure or persecution that comes from following Jesus. Maybe it's financial difficulties or relationship problems or burnout or illness or even impending death. We can't escape the fact that paths of righteousness still lead through dark valleys. Notice that David, the writer of uh, Psalm 23, doesn't even try to explain why the dark valley's there. It just is. It's like he knows that you'll just know what he means. Jesus himself said, in the world you will have trouble. And he also said that when we follow him, we're guaranteed to face all sorts of opposition and challenge. There will be dark valleys in your life. If you haven't experienced that yet, you will. So how do we experience God's goodness in the midst of the valleys? How can we join with David 
and confidently, joyfully proclaiming, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Of course, the answer lies in the next line. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The antidote to fear is the presence of God. We're not promised to always be lifted out of hard circumstances, but you are absolutely guaranteed that almighty God is with you in the midst of them. And that changes everything. 1 John 4 reminds us that God is love and perfect love casts out fear. As God's people, we've got to be regularly spending time in the presence of God. I want to just really encourage you, this this isn't just a Sunday thing. If you're only making time to be conscious of the presence of God on a Sunday morning and maybe a midweek evening at small group, I think you're missing out. And you're missing out on crucial preparation for dark valleys. God will still be with you when you face those. Don't get me wrong. No doubt. But the awareness of God's presence, I think it's something that we almost have to practice. You know, like any relationship, the more intentional time you spend with somebody, the more you'll get to know them. And the better we know our shepherd, the more aware of his presence we will be and the more comfort we will be able to draw from him. So what what kind of comfort can we draw from God in the dark valleys of life? Well, verse four says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These are things a shepherd in the ancient Near East would have carried. In fact, lots of shepherds around the world, particularly in Africa and the Middle East, they still uh, use a rod and a staff today. A shepherd's rod, um, you may or may not know, it's kind of more like a club, really. It's like about this long, and it has a sort of rounded end, often made from like the root ball of a, of a sapling that's been pulled out of the ground. It's kind of like a, a mace that a medieval knight might use. And the, the rod is used to protect the sheep. In the steep-sided valleys of Israel's hill country, sheep were much more vulnerable to attacks from wild animals. And thieves and bandits would often stand on the cliffs above the valley and drop heavy rocks toward the shepherd to try and take them out and steal their sheep. But a good shepherd knows how to use the shepherd's rod to fend off attackers. Sometimes it might have been used like a club, sometimes it was thrown, but in the right hands, It was a formidable weapon. I want to say to you this morning, God is well able to protect you from attack. One of the defenses he gives us is the truth of his word, the Bible. Think about how Jesus used scripture to fight off the attack of the enemy in the wilderness. It's amazing, uh, just the effect of a few memorized verses as you're seeking to cling on to God in difficult times. When I was in my early 20s, I went through what certainly felt like to me a dark valley. I hit some mental health challenges and I just felt in the 
dark place. You know, waking up in the morning was, was especially tough. My alarm clock would go off, my eyes would open, and I'd have a few seconds. And then the heaviness and the anxiety would flood in. And I, I learned in that season the huge value of memorizing just a few scriptures to anchor me to truth, to anchor me to God when I felt like I was going to get swept away. One of those scriptures was Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The truth of the Bible was an absolute lifeline for me in that time. It helped me to cling on to God as he helped me navigate through the valley. Just to say, if you're experiencing mental health challenges, I'm not discouraging you to seek medical help. I just want to make that really clear. That can be another wonderful way that God provides for us. By all means, get the the medical help that you need. That isn't somehow unspiritual. But also, be sure to arm yourself with truth. Arm yourself with the truth of God because he gives it to you for your protection. So the shepherd's rod of protection was used to fight off attacks. It was also used uh, for disciplining wayward sheep, protecting them against themselves, if you like. A shepherd might throw the rod ahead of a sheep that was kind of careering off towards a cliff just to startle them, get them to turn around and come back towards the shepherd. And God can bring all kinds of correction to us from time to time through the Bible, through other believers, your friends in church, through leaders he's put in your lives. It's it's part of how he protects us. And it should bring us real comfort because it's evidence that God is with us. So that's the rod. God is well able to protect you. I want you to hear that this morning. Shepherd's staff is perhaps uh, more familiar to you. It's long and thin. It has the kind of crook at the end. And uh, it was used for lots of things, but obviously it's, it's largely a tool for rescue. If a sheep had fallen down a ravine or into the water, it could be pulled to safety. Luke reminded us when he was preaching last week that God doesn't just begrudgingly come after us and rescue us when we get ourselves into trouble or when we get lost. He delights in rescuing us again and again, bringing us back to himself. The staff was also there for guidance and keeps sheep on the right paths. And I also read about a way in which many shepherds will use their staff as they walk alongside a, a sheep, maybe a particularly skittish, worried sheep, maybe one with a particular history of running off. They just walk alongside with the staff, gently touching into the side of the sheep. I just thought that was such a beautiful picture of how God loves to just come alongside us when we're feeling a little bit skittish and just lets us know that he is there. He is really close to us, much closer than we might have thought. What else can we say then about following our good shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death? Well, I like that phrase, the shadow of death, because it reminds us that through Jesus, 
the actual power of the devil, of sin, and even of death has been broken. They have no substance anymore. Even death for the Christian is merely a shadow. Charles Spurgeon, the great 19th century preacher, said it like this. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining on him throws a shadow across our path. Rejoice that there is light beyond. Nobody's afraid of a shadow. For a shadow cannot stop you for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy. Praise God. Because Jesus has gone through death into resurrection. We, as his followers, get to walk after him in his footsteps. His victory is our victory. And therefore, we have nothing to fear. And notice that he says, we walk through the valley. God doesn't just take us into dark valleys as our final destination. We're not meant to be static. He doesn't intend that we stay there. Your final destination is assured. And it is beyond the valley. It's on the other side, in good pasture, beside still waters. Jesus will never leave you alone in a dark valley. And as we pass through the valleys, we are to walk. I don't know about you, but in the dark valleys of life, I find the most natural thing often seems to be to fight or to flee. We can be tempted to just give up or the opposite. We can kind of go into this frenzy of trying to fix everything ourselves. But God calls us to something different. He asks us to walk steadily after him. Walking is a demonstration of trust that the shepherd knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going and he will keep me safe. The most powerful thing you can do in times of trial is to continue to faithfully walk behind your shepherd as best as you know how. Keep worshiping. Persevere in prayer. Don't give up meeting with other believers. Spend time absorbing truth from the Bible. These things aren't particularly flashy. They're not quick fixes, but they are powerful declarations of trust. And there are ways in which God reminds us that he is with us. And you know, even in the midst of the valleys, God has refreshment for you. Maybe you find yourself there today. I want to say God has refreshment right where you are for you. In the arid mountain country of Israel, what are dark valleys caused by? They're caused by rivers. And no matter how small the stream that has cut its way through rock, it might even have, the water might even have dried up. But what do you find there? You find vegetation, find nourishment for sheep. It's more likely to grow in the bottom of a dark valley. Every trial offers us an opportunity to see God provide for us. He wants to provide for you in amazing ways, to protect you 
wants to lead you through those experiences into greater intimacy with him. We could have the band up. Just one final thing. Valleys are channels of life-giving water to parched land beyond. Through the painful seasons that God has seen you through, he wants to equip you to get alongside other people, those who are still struggling, those who are maybe still in the grip of fear. God loves it when we allow his blessing to flow to others through the valleys that have been painfully carved into our lives. When we're able to share, often in retrospect, how God was with us, even even in the very darkest season, we can bring amazing encouragement and strength to our brothers and sisters who find themselves right in the middle of that place. We have an amazing Good Shepherd. No matter what kind of season you're in right now, he promises that he will be with you. And he will never leave you. He will never let you go. It's such good news. And we're going to sing about it now. I want to encourage you as we sing to to declare these words boldly. A declaration of trust in your shepherds.